Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Wanda Booth about empowering women leaders. Wanda Booth, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me, John. I'm so excited to be here. I love what you're doing. I appreciate it. Thank you. It's an honor. Oh, it, it's an honor to have the chance to talk with you. Uh, you know, reading over your bio and having a little bit of discussion in the pre-interview uh, and, and preparing for the podcast today, um, I just, I'm just so impressed by your background and your experience that you have uh, that 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 connects with our topic for today, which will be women in leadership and, and, yes. and what mental well-being um, uh, for women in, in the workplace. And it's such an important topic and you have such expertise and so much uh, really practical background in the area that it, I know it'll be a really great discussion. Yes, thank you, thank you. As we, get start, yeah, as we get started today, I wanna share your bio with the listeners. Wanda Booth is a business strategist helping the million-dollar business divas achieve financial freedom and purpose in their business. After serving 25 years in the U.S. Army, Wanda worked as a licensed financial advisor and broker helping business owners and families build wealth. During her work, she noticed a gap in women's leadership programs and financial literacy. Wanda had enough and decided to form a company strengthening business owners through the art of masterminding. Uh, additionally, Wanda commits time and resources as champion for nonprofits assisting mental well-being for teens and young women. Wanda is the best-selling author of two books, Insight 2020, Applying Lessons to Advance in Life and Career and You Matter Most, eight-week self-care guided uh, journal for building confidence and coping with anxiety. Uh, again, uh, great background. Uh, I'm so excited to have a chance to talk with you. Anything else you'd like to share about yourself as we get started? No, no, no. I'm very, no, I'm grateful and you hit it all. So I'm good. I'm ready to dig in and help your audience. And let's talk about this topic of leadership. Excellent. Well, and I'm, I'm wondering if just by way of background, as we start the discussion about women and leadership, um, if you could give us a little bit more um, context into your career um, in the U.S. Army as a woman, uh, what that was like, the types of um, experiences you had in relation to leadership, mm. both both positive and perhaps negative, um, and and kind of some of your framing around those issues. 
Okay, so leadership. One of the biggest things, so for me, I have 25 years in the U.S. Army. I did have some National Guard time as well, but I have a total of 25 years of service. And that's from going from private with nothing, <laughs> private e-nobody, no, e they like to call you, to major. So within that time, my experience have, when you come in as a young 17-year-old, just trying to get away, trying to figure out your life, to getting my bachelor's, getting my master's, also a selling as a uh, non-commissioned officer is what we call it. That's that mental management. And then I went into officer, became um, OCS is what we call it. I switched over to the officer corps and then finally retire as a major. So my experience is being a soldier on the ground, picking up trash at working late, you know, the, the little ones, as they call us, all the way to commanding and then to the point where I'm on staffs. So I've been through every branch and I'm um, skipping every level of that leadership. So I know how it feels to be told to or to be led. I know how it is to be a junior leader. Then I learn how to become a senior leader. And with that, that's my experience. So 25 years of that, I am, as you can see, I'm a black woman. And being in the service, being a black woman as an officer, there are not that many of us. And when I talk to people about our leadership is truly about the development and how do we develop and help one another. And my biggest thing right now, I say I'm just fed up about women in leadership because we can do it, but we do come as you, like a marriage with some baggage and the baggage is called children. I talk very openly about being a mother in the military as well. And that's a whole thing of leading women, but it's leading mothers. And I had three kids and I was dual military. And when you ask me about an score challenge, here's one that I tell everyone is my biggest story about being in the military. I was dual military, marry another officer. He's in the captain, I'm a captain. And we had uh, two kids at that time um, in daycare, really young kids. And we both at the same night had to work past um, six o'clock, daycare closed at six. So I was like, hey, can you pick up the kids? I have to work late tonight. He's like, no, I have to work late too okay, which one of us are not? And so the decision was he stayed late and worked and did his mission. And I went to my commander and said, I cannot, because I didn't, it was last minute. So I didn't have a, um, a care plan or someone to pick up my kids for us. So I'm just like, I'm going to have to leave at six. I need to pick up my kids. So that always stuck with me. Even now I'm still talking about it. The kids are 16 and 15 now, because it just kind of made me feel like, why was I was the chosen one to pick up the kids and not stay late to help my unit, but he was the one to stay. So when I talk about women in leadership, that's my experience, and that's what I like to talk about, and that's where I go from that platform. Well, yeah, and there's there's lots of research that shows that women um, dual career households mm -hmm. um, where both uh, partners are working, it's usually yeah. the the woman that takes the undue burden on the childcare and and housework and all that stuff that still has to happen. Um, and, and so, you know, that, that there's a bandwidth issue, you know, and uh, of just being able to do everything you need to do in your job and your career um, and to be able to progress, but also take care of all that stuff at home. And, and your story illustrated what plays out over and over and over again probably a million times daily across the United States, you know, where, where women are kind of put in a position where they're the ones that are kind of expected to sacrifice 
um, their career, their work for family, um, and maybe that same expectation isn't there for their male partner. Um, and you know, that, so that's that's something that we definitely need to be cognizant of, and that we need to be willing to address both within a family dynamic, but also you know in the workplace. As if you know, if I'm a leader and I have an employee I need that that has these kind of work-life balance challenges, you know, hopefully, hopefully I can be understanding of that and I can be empowering and I can be flexible and recognize, you know, that I don't need, you know, so, some work requires people to be there like in person right. during certain, certain hours, you know, and I don't know, I don't know what your husband was doing in his, his, uh, his job that night, you know, but you know, some, some, important. <laughs> I just laugh. I just tease and like, it was more important. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and sometimes maybe it actually would be, but other times maybe not, or probably not, you know? And so, and, and if I'm as an employer, if I'm, if, if, if I can recognize, you know, mm -hmm. that what's important is the performance of my people uh, and their well being to drive higher levels of performance, then it, and it's not so important, like what the hours are that they're like physically sitting in a in a, in their office or whatever doing work you know then i can allow way more flexibility for my workers and i think covid is actually demonstrating that um where a lot of employers kind of had a traditionalist mentality of we Everybody. want we want people here in person working doing the work and if they're not here then they're not working and now you know so many people are being forced to work remotely and employers are realizing oh that actually this actually works really well and you know acknowledging maybe that it actually it can actually increase productivity and make things uh better um so I, I those are some of the thoughts i had as you shared that example you know again acknowledging that this is a, a challenge for women in the workplace um that's disproportionately more difficult for women than it is for men um, it is it is in my book. So like I said, so the first book I wrote is called Insight 2020. And it's about my 20 insights. And it goes from military transition, even to being an entrepreneur. And one of the journeys in there and one of the book for the health, because I do do a lot of work with mental health and well-being is I said, I said, life work balance is BS. And it's not BS as far as bull crap, right? It's actually BS because I believe it's bittersweet. And I say purposely, and my editor, like, I think you did it wrong. It's work-life balance. I said, no, 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 no. I meant it to be life-work balance because even when you said, you said work-life balance. It's a habit, and that's the cliche, and that's the phrase we use. But I purposely twist those words because I'm going to focus on my life. If I'm not alive and well and healthy, I will not be working for you. So I need to have life then work. And then even the balance, I think is really bittersweet. And I don't want to argue about life, you know, integration. I heard all the theories, but for me, I think is like a life pie is what I call it. We are, you're one person, like you said, there's only so much time and it's almost who you are. So within this pie, you split it up. Right. And then in this life you have only so much can be with my family. So much can be with work. So much can be on my own hobbies, my own uh, interests that I have. And then some could be if you're taking care of a sick parent or a sibling or things like that. So there's so much you have going on in your life. Um, you have to adjust those uh, wedges, if you will. So this week you may spend 10% of your time with kids 
but you have to spend 90% working, right? But then the week after you take leave or you take your vacation, then you need to spend 80 to 90% of your kids and your family, and then zero or less than 5% doing work things. And I talk about that a lot when people bring work home. That's another, it's like the boundaries when we're calling how to set those healthy boundaries. And then also you was talking about women in this workplace and why we leave or why you have the employers have to be a little bit more gracious. I look at it a little different for why I built like when I left personally, because my own story, I ended up going to become an entrepreneur and own my own business because employers really try. I love them and they do enough and they do what they can, but it doesn't really help with the balance or what I have to do far as I had a kid in cheer track and then we also do football. So my life is just too much and their schedule is really crazy. So for us, it was just better that I own my own business and I can be my own flexibility. And that's what the million dollar divas are all about is let's come home, let's build a business. You just, that's still working where you have the flexibility, but you have a structure and a strategy to progress and be promoted within your home or within your company and still serve. And traditionally, like you said, with COVID, I think it's beautiful now that people are learning and organizations are learning. You can be home and be very productive as well. Now, some jobs, you still need to go in the office or you can do the AB. I think some jobs are doing A people, B people work week, week one, week two. And there's so many ways you can think about it. So I think COVID has allowed us to rethink work and rethink the way we are productive here in our American society. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And thank you for all that insight. Um, I, I think those are really helpful framings for some of these mm -hmm. concepts. Uh, that we've been discussing together. Uh, and you're absolutely right. I mean, sometimes the balance just doesn't balance. Um, the pie doesn't fit, you know, the wedges don't fit. And so reconceiving even what our career might look like, what a successful career could be, um, is, is important for anybody um, when they're trying to understand how all the different pieces of their life are interconnecting at any given point in time. Um, so we, we've talked, you know, around the edges a little bit, but I'm, I'm curious if you can speak to a little bit more specifically, what, you know, what's your view and framing, you know, on the, the whole idea of women in leadership and, and how, okay. how can we help empower more women to, to find themselves in meaningful leadership roles in society and organizations? Okay. So the, when I talk about in my thought process of women leadership, and I really try not to say women in leadership or leading women, because that together is the same. And so I tell people for me, it's women leadership. And what that means is as a woman, I'm in leadership role. I am in a leadership position. So what does it mean if I'm leading men and women? How does that look? But then if I am a woman, which I have been in a male dominant in the military, I was the only female in a lot of organizations. I look around, I'm like, okay. And a quick story, you, you know, you guys hear some experience. So when I went to, when I was an officer, I went to a brigade um, 
in the battalion, excuse me, and there were men and women bathrooms. They had showers in there, but they never had a female officer. I was their first one. And they, the men used to shower in both male and female bathrooms uh, with no problems because it's a ton of them, right? So when I came into the unit, I was going in and there were guys in the female um, latrine and I'm just like, oh, okay. And then they're like, oh, ooh you need this, don't you? I'm like, yeah, I need to take a shower. They're like, well, can we get, can we give you hours? We use this. So they gave me my little, like my 30 minute time. I say, I don't have a problem with that, but just a knowledge, I have to take a shower too. So it was cute and it was fun, but that was the idea. Like when you have women in your um, organizations, we, we, there are certain things I need. So like, I need my latrine. I like to have my own bathroom, please. And so that was funny. And then I look at times when women, when we were maternity leave, I had all three of my kids in the military. Yes, you have maternity leave. Now we're doing paternity leave. And I think that's a wonderful thing, but also being knowledgeable about leaving women who are working while they're pregnant. I work all the way up to the week before I gave birth. So some will have bed sickness. So, I mean, there's so many challenges with the female and that's just because of the biology part of it. So when we talk about how to fit some of these things, one of the things I like to look at, John, is I talk about, I don't really believe and I don't want to have a conversation or discussion and fight with people about the gender gap. I try to stay away from that. I try not to discuss the gender gap because personally, I never really experienced it. In the military, we do have equal pay. But when I say equal pay, when the soldiers and officers, when you as a person in the army, in the military, but in, I was in the army, when you're told to work late, you work late. It didn't matter gender, race, none of culture, any of that. You do your job according to your, your title, right? Or your line number. So there was no unequal pay between me and another major. We both got paid according to your service and your time. But when it came for deployment, when they left for three uh, months, I left for three months. They didn't care I had three kids. They didn't care that you know I was a single mom when I did get divorced. I was equal pay, so I was expected to do the equal work. So I kind of not go in those conversations because I never personally experienced it. But what I have experienced, John, and when we're talking about leadership and how to help women in their leadership role, first of all, is leadership development program. That is the biggest thing that I see. They have them. They, it's a check. Leadership development program to me is not a workbook and two hours a week telling you how the dynamics of communication and how to ask your employees how to do something or how to get your team together. It's about the application and work in it. And that's what it is. So within that role, you're, as you're applying what you learn, if you make a mistake, don't down the female. And in my experience, the male can make a mistake. Oh, he's learning. Oh, you know, you get him next time. But for a female, oh, I can't believe she made that decision. Well, wait a minute. Isn't she applying, practicing, trying to learn the information that we gather in the leadership development. So I really break it down that simple because I want people to understand leadership is ongoing. No one has it right. No one has it perfect. Everyone needs to be developed. But I feel sometimes women development programs, they take it harder when they're applying what they're learning. Um, second, I think about mentorship. I think, um, John, we can discuss that. I think there's a lack of mentorship for females, quality mentorship. And what I mean by quality mentorship is 
one, other female mentors, a lot of female leaders do not mentor, and there are not a lot of females at those higher levels to become mentors, but also some of the females I met and discussed, they're hustling. They're trying to you know, not get kicked off the island themselves, to be honest with you. So they really don't take time to mentor to help others because they're trying to keep afloat, if you will, or trying to stay on their path of success. And then you look at where the mentorships are going. How do males interact with females without it being weird or all this stuff? And we don't go in there. And then another one is career opportunities. I look at that as we're talking, like my husband, my ex-husband and I, when I discuss our situation, when he had the option to stay late and work, and I don't know what they did, it was many years ago, but I missed out on whatever that mission was, but he got a chance to have an opportunity that I didn't receive because I took upon, and I just said, well, I'll go ahead and pick up the kids. So I think all that, and there's no right puzzle, wrong puzzle, but when you take all that, that's what will help um, women in leadership. So that's a lot in a mouthful. Sorry. <laughs> no, those. I those, get passionate about this. <laughs> I, and I appreciate your passion. Uh, those, those are great insights, and uh, absolutely, I agree with um, you know the, the the mentorship piece, for example, is is so important. And like you said, sometimes there's not a whole lot of women in. Um, leadership positions to serve as mentors, they're often trying to just keep their own seat at the table. Yes, yes. Um, and, and frankly, it's, I mean, being a meaningful, like being a mentor in name only, that's easy, but being a meaningful mentor that's actually gonna help um, someone uh, develop in their own career, that takes time and that takes energy. And I, I feel like, well, there's actually quite a bit of research to show that that um, women leaders bear an undue kind of unequal burden in terms of those types of mentorship roles. So you'll have a male leader and they might do a little bit of mentoring of people, um, but you have a woman leader and they usually do a lot more. Um, and so, mm -hmm. so that, again, it just comes back to this, this imbalance um, of bandwidth and time and energy and kind of different expectations in terms of accountability that you mentioned. Um, uh, that also plays out in reality um, for a lot of women. And so, so we need to encourage more women to get into leadership roles. We need to have meaningful development opportunities mm -hmm. for women, meaningful mentoring uh, opportunities for women. Um, and that, that can be easier said than done because of all the challenges that we've been discussing. But that just because it's hard doesn't mean we shouldn't be trying and that we shouldn't continue to make all of our best efforts um, to, to empower more women to take on these types of roles. Uh, and, I, and I think mm -hmm. about it in terms of COVID. You've probably seen the similar articles, but you know, I, I find it um, both uh, really inspiring and kind of humorous. You know, as I, as I read these articles about um, how different national leaders across the world have, have dealt with COVID in their own countries. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and there's a lot of articles that talk about you know, the most successful countries, they're all led by women, <laughs> women presidents, women prime ministers. Um, and, you know, I think that's really interesting and really telling. And, you know, then you have, I don't want to make this political, but I, I'm not a particular fan of our current uh, president in the United States and don't feel like he's doing a particularly good job. Um, regardless of people's politics, I, that's not what this is about. Um, 
you know, I, I think it's interesting to see how, uh, how women in leadership in a crisis can bring so much to the table to help us really tackle really difficult issues and challenges. And, and we've seen that in some of these countries where they've really had a, a, just a tremendous response to, in dealing with COVID. Um, and so I, you know, the same thing can trickle down into organizations that women, you know, historically, you had the stereotypes about women aren't suited to be leaders and that dispositionally they're not suited and blah, blah, blah. Well, I think that's actually completely backwards. I think I think women have an incredible, I mean, again, I don't want to buy into or, or reinforce stereotypes, but I, I think women have an incredible skill set and disposition um, to be amazing leaders. Um, not all women are going to be great leaders, just like not all men are going to be great leaders, but, <laughs> but women certainly can be really wonderful leaders. And we need to to do everything we can to encourage that in, in our workforce and have, have more balance in our workforce, have greater inclusion and diversity in our workforce. Um, and you know, I appreciate you sharing your experience as a woman of color in the military and leadership roles because you know that, and a, a, a working mother and you know, it just, it, it demonstrates all the layers involved mm -hmm. um, to, to this issue and these challenges. Um, Wanda, it's been awesome talking with you. We're yes. about out of time, okay. um, but I want to give you the last word. So before we finish, um, if there's anything else you want to share about your, your thoughts about women leaders, women leadership, but also, um, I, I want to give you a chance to share with the listeners how they can get in contact with you okay. and learn more about what you're doing. Okay, awesome. Thank you, John. So everyone, I tell everyone, I'm not for everyone. I'm not everyone cup of tea. And I realize that because I do have a heart. I'm a woman of faith, but I do believe in leadership and doing things right. But if you want to get to know me, I always offer on my website is wandabooth.com. Wanda is W-A-N-D-A. Booth, B-O-O-T-H, WandaBooth.com. Right there on the, right on the top of the page is click. You can get in touch with me. We can have a conversation or Zoom. I'm really open and very accessible because I love having these great conversations. And you can see all the other stuff I'm doing is right there. One easy peasy place to go. And if you know any women, um, you want to talk about leadership, leadership programs, let's discuss that. And as I close, the only thing I can think of, I usually have a nice little quote or inspiration, but what I've, I've been watching Hamilton right now, as you know, in the Disney Plus where we are in this season, and the Skylar sisters, and they were there the whole time, but yet didn't have the right to vote, but yet they were very, because having correspondence and opinions about our political framework with the founding fathers, women have always been there to leave. So as I watched that, I just laugh and chuckle, like we're always there. Our names are not always mentioned. So as John said, continue to lead, continue to do well, let your voice be heard and just put it down on paper. I'm all about black and white, putting in policies and let's practice what we preach. And that's it, John. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Wanda. It's been a real pleasure talking with you. I encourage thank my you. listeners to reach out to you, get connected, learn more about what you're doing. Uh, and I wish you the best in all of your endeavors. And I hope uh, all the listeners, I hope you all stay healthy and safe. Have a wonderful week. And I hope that you have meaningful uh, opportunities in the workplace. Thank you.
Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.